only way our constitutional republic can thrive and continue to exist is if the citizens of that nation, our nation, stands on biblical moral principles and uphold what the founders of this nation based this country upon. Otherwise, our laws can change because they are subject to the day in which we live in and the perspective of the people who were in charge at any given time relative to culture and time. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Keep that in mind. Keep that in your heart. Think about that. The truth does not change. There would be no consistency in governance. The people would become divided. Society would turn chaotic. And groups would become polarized and not united by common agreement of what is right and what is wrong. What our inalienable rights are and what are no rights at all but rather special group interests that are attempting to gain special favor over others to advance their own agenda would be given unfair power, unfair position to form rules to elevate their own interests and punish dissenters no matter what is right and what is wrong. It seems as of late that there are many conflicting opinions as to the authority of our government and to what extent they can rule our lives. When does the ruling authority become tyrannical? How is a Christian to behave under the authority of government? When would a Christian disobey government? Can a Christian disobey government? And would it ever be a Christian's duty to disobey government? Again, this is not a political message. It's a biblical message taken from Scripture. The first seven verses of Romans chapter 13. But I do need to put this all in context for us today. Because I cannot ignore the fact that we live in the United States of America. It is a constitutional republic. And as citizens of this nation, we have a duty and an obligation to utilize the instruments of governance that our founding fathers put into place to hold our representatives accountable and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. We were founded on July 14th. Listen closely. Don't sleep. Maybe July 21st. Maybe December. Maybe in 1619. No? No? We were founded on July 4th, 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was signed and submitted. We declared our independence on that specific day. We need to speak the truth. Um, Standing on truth and against that which is not true. I am not a citizen of another country. I'm speaking to my fellow countrymen. I'm speaking to Americans here. Am I not? 
And I am teaching this morning considering the instruments we have at our disposal as Americans and as of today to do everything possible possible to ensure the preservation of our Constitution because it is good. Because it is good. We need to understand how it is and why it was that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome in that day about the governing authorities. But we need to put it all in context. We need to even understand correctly what these seven verses are speaking, not on the surface, but are actually saying. We need to consider what Christians in other countries are having to do to survive, to worship God, how they disciple and how they evangelize unbelievers. Let me ask you some questions. Do you really think that Christians in other countries are following the restrictions of the governing body in their nations whose laws prohibit the worship of Jesus Christ? Or do you think they are being creative in their worship of Jesus Christ? More questions. What would they say if they were afforded the same constitutional tools of governing that we are afforded here in the United States of America as citizens? Having the freedom of religion and speech. What would Paul say to the Christians, the citizens of Rome, those who are there, if they could have a hand in the manner in which the governing body was governed. I would think that they would say, stand up. Stand in the gap. Act on what's right. Use the tools you have. It is your duty to stand up for what's right. It is our duty. It's what we've been called to. Stand in the truth in what is right. Listen, these are the tools that we have. The First Amendment says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That is our First Amendment. It still applies to you and I. The Constitution of the United States, the Constitutional Convention that took place in the summer of 1787, 11 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed, was held in in strict secrecy and there were anxious citizens awaiting outside the assembly room of the Pennsylvania State House that was later known as Independence Hall. This is actually the location where both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were debated and adopted, found in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. When the proceedings ended, a woman by the name of Mrs. Powell of Philadelphia asked Benjamin Franklin, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? Without hesitating, Benjamin Franklin responded, A republic. If you can keep it.
Our nation was founded in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was written and adopted. And it served to define the very character of our nation. A new nation. The United States of America. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. My hope this morning is that we would understand what we have before us in these verses. Considering the governing body at the time Paul wrote this, and how these verses apply to us today, under the government that we are under here in the United States of America, and how we should conduct ourselves as Christians who live in America. May God's word shape our perspective. May God's word shape and further our actions to his glory. Standing on the side of righteousness as we sit under his teaching according to his word and by his spirit. Grow in his wisdom and in his truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 7 and 8 says, But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. Though we may seem to have failed, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We're going to break this down into three portions. The first one is verses 1 and 2, which is basic biblical perspective of government. Second section, verses 3 and 4, God's purpose for government. And lastly, verses 5 through 7, subjection to and support of government. So let's start out with the first two verses. Basic, uh, a basic biblical perspective of government. Verse 1, once more, says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, keep in mind that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome which in that day was the capital of the world, and it follows that what Paul had written regarding vengeance in the previous chapter. Verse 19 of chapter 12, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing... You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so from there we continue on to this chapter. It wasn't divided into chapters, and Paul had written this letter in, in its fullness, and there weren't chapter divisions. So it just continued on from there. 
But we're going to start out with the basic biblical perspective that we as Christians are to have concerning government. To start out, as I read, we are not to seek personal vengeance, but leave the punishment of lawbreakers to the government. Government To apply justice and judgment to whom it is due by the government. So no vigilante groups going around. We also need to consider this group that existed in Paul's day. They were the zealots. This was a group of people who were known as zealots in Paul's day who were Jews who believed that there was no authority but God and refused to acknowledge civil authority and refused to pay taxes. In fact, it's believed that in Acts chapter 18 verse 2, when Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, that it was because there were Jewish zealots who objected to paying taxes and acknowledging the Roman government's authority. And perhaps this is why Paul was addressing this issue in this manner in this day. We also need to understand that this in and of itself is not an exhaustive study, an exhaustive teaching on government and how a Christian is to conduct himself under it, but we will consider other passages to put things in proper perspective and get a better understanding by acknowledging what other followers of Christ did when confronted by civil authority as seen in the pages of the Bible. But we need to begin with the premise that we as Christians are to subject ourselves to the governing authorities because there is no authority, as it says here, except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. What this is saying is that God appoints a nation's leaders... And they serve to fulfill his plans and purposes. And it's not always to bless a nation. Sometimes they serve to ripen a people for judgment. Because the people have insisted on doing things their own ways and turning their back on God. There are times when a nation insists on rejecting God and participating in the worship of idols and doing what is evil in the sight of God, and he will give them over to the desires of their hearts. As we started out the study of this letter to the Romans, we started out in in Romans chapter 1, and we learned about people who rejected God, and he gave them up. To the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Romans chapter 1 verse 24. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Romans chapter 1 verse 26. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. So a nation, even though it may have been founded on biblical principles, if it turns its back on God and turns to doing evil and blasphemous acts, can be disciplined and even destroyed. It is the very judgment of God. It's a warning. It's not something that is just spoken of lightly. It's not something that's untrue. God warned Israel, his own people, his chosen people. He gave them instructions. When they did evil 
and were disciplined, being judged for their evil. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, I know we're all familiar with verse 14, but we need to back up a little bit to verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord, and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locust to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people... If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. It's it's true. God spoke it. He warned his people. Do you not think that he will do the same with any nation that does the, what he warned of? Please don't take this lightly. That is why we ought to be heralds of what is true. That is why the only Savior is Jesus Christ. There, there is no other Savior. But we need to begin this this study, this portion of Scripture with the basic premise that there is no authority except from God. And whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. It's like starting off with with a clean slate. Right? This is the basic foundation. This is what we ought to stand on. But we also need to know God's purpose for government. To be able to discern whether the civil authority is acting in what is good or not. A little note. Remember that Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate. Remember that the Apostle Paul suffered under Nero. But they also did not stop doing the will of the Father, even if it meant being persecuted and suffering for the refusal to adhere to their unjust demands and laws. They didn't compromise what was right to live in peace with civil authority. So number one, basic biblical perspective of government. But let's move on because there's more. God's purpose for government. Verse 3 as we continue says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. A basic test for government. We just read it. Is the governing body a terror to good conduct or bad conduct? A simple test. 
God defines the purpose of government. Government doesn't get to define it. We have one creator. We have one God. We have one ruler and king of kings. And he defines it. Assuming that civil authority is there to punish what is bad, which they should be doing and not neglecting or ignoring their duty to do so, then, yes, we ought to fear the one who is in authority if we are doing bad. We're not afraid of the law and its repercussions if we're abiding by the law. We fear when we are breakers of the law. The consequences that would come. If we steal, then we should fear. If we murder, then we should fear. If we hurt others, then we should fear. It should be that if we do good, then good government will approve of that. But will judge you if you do wrong, up to and including capital punishment. To this end, government can be used by God to keep in check man's propensity to indulge in sin and evil acts. God's purpose for government is to uphold law and order, punishing evildoers to deter them from doing more evil, and in so doing, deterring others from doing the very same thing. This is a basic test for government. But when government refuses to uphold law and order, They are actually encouraging and even facilitating chaos and destruction. Case in point. I don't know. Have you heard of Portland, Oregon? Government refuses to uphold law and order, and property is destroyed. Murder takes place, vandalism, theft happens, and personal safety is not secured by those who are supposed to serve and protect its citizens to secure life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in a civil society in America. Case in point, our U.S. southern border. In case you didn't know, we are a sovereign nation. It is uh, unlawful for people to cross into our sovereign nation the way they are. But our current administration doesn't see this as a threat. The commander-in-chief isn't protecting the citizens of the United States of America. It's a dereliction of duty. He is not protecting its citizens from enemies who are infiltrating our nation and getting into the core of our country. Do you think this is a conspiracy theory? Think again. It is true. I'm not making some kind of a statement without knowledge. I can say that perhaps most of the people are just looking for a better way of life coming through our southern border. But there are those who are taking advantage of our open border and are coming in. And and they desire to bring harm upon you. Keep in mind, government is supposed to be God's servant for your good. In fact, Paul stated that governing authorities are a servant of God to judge the wrongdoer and punish them, a servant of God for the good of people. 
He said this two times in just these two verses. So now we know, number one, the basic biblical perspective of government, and number two, God's purpose for government. God's purpose for government. Thirdly, subjection to and support of government. Verse 5, therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenues to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You know, with these two previously stated principles, we move on to subjection to and support of government. I want to also turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. Verse 13 says this, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Again, consistent with what the Apostle Paul wrote. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, But living as servants of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Uh, When it says there live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, even if the government says that certain things are uh, legal, doesn't mean that they are good or would be allowed for us to indulge in. And so we need to be careful not to use the freedoms and liberties that the law gives us and do that which is in opposition and bring shame to the Lord. So this is consistent what the Apostle Paul had written in Romans chapter 13. Uh, the definition, the purpose of what govern, government should be and is to be according to God. If a person does what is bad... If a person does what is evil, then because the governing authorities are from God and have been instituted by God, then they serve as instruments that bring forth God's wrath on the evildoer. And not only should a Christian avoid God's wrath because of applied civil justice, but also for the sake of conscience. That is, when a Christian knows he is doing wrong in the sight of God, the conscience will bear witness against him, not just because... Someone fears getting caught by civil authorities, but because he is simply sinning against God. Therefore, be subject or subject yourself to doing what is lawful according to the governing authorities, if not against God's word, if not against the truth, what is right. We're not only to subject ourselves to the authorities, but we are also to support the governing authorities. By paying taxes. In fact, in Luke chapter 20, verse 21, 
And so they asked him, they were asking Jesus, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? He said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able to, uh, in the presence of, of the people, to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They replied, Caesar's. Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Whose image are you made in? You understand what Jesus was saying even in that? Whose image were you made in? Render to God that which belongs to God. You. We belong to God. Ultimately, we belong to God in our to render to Him our very lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We just went over this a few weeks ago. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We as Christians, we need to learn to be disciplined. We need to be in control. We need to be clear in thought, in our right mind. We need to know God's word, his truth. And be disciplined in what's right. You know, the Apostle Paul goes on to say that we are to pay taxes, give respect, honor those in authority, pay taxes to whom we owe taxes to, pay wages to whom we owe wages to, respect those we need to respect and honor. We are to be gentle and meek in spirit. Doesn't mean a doormat. It means strength under control. We need to be clear minded, thinking things through, standing on the side of righteousness, doing what's right, speaking the truth. We learned about the basic biblical perspective of government God's purpose for government, subjection to, and support of government. But I want to ask you some questions to close this morning. Why was John the Baptist imprisoned and beheaded? I'm going to ask it again. Why was John the Baptist imprisoned and beheaded? He's preaching Christ. He also had confronted a ruler. You stole your brother's wife. It's wrong. Uh, I'll give you um, a reference to that. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Another question. 
<clears throat> why were the disciples imprisoned? What did they say and do when they were commanded by the governing authorities to do what was opposed to Jesus' commands? Why were they martyred? What did Peter do when the angel rescued him from jail? In Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 19. At that point, he was a Christian on the run. He became a fugitive of the state. He went from Judea to Caesarea Caesarea, and spent time there. According to Acts chapter 12, verse 19. What did the disciples do when they were freed from jail by the angel of the Lord? In Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 42. It was because they spoke the truth and acted upon it. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 and 8. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Listen, the world is erupting. Do you know what's going on in France? Do you know what's going on in Germany? Are you wondering why it is that the citizens are rising and protesting these lockdowns, these restrictions? We must ask why. There are people like Lieutenant Colonel, 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 Stuart Scheller, a Marine who got fired for demanding that people of authority be held accountable for bad decisions that are resulting in bad outcomes in the deaths of people. He's willing to stand up and, and demand that those in authority be held accountable. Remember, we live in the United States of America by the people, for the people. Stand on the side of righteousness. When the people rise, when the people insist on doing what is right, when we are on the, on the side of God, who can stop us? Nobody. We, we are afforded our rights under the First Amendment to peaceably assemble, to protest. AB 455, we need to oppose that. Like, now, don't, don't, don't sit idly. Listen, Hebrews 4.13 says this, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must, must give account. We, at some point, are going to give an account of what we did and did not do while we were alive. Do not fear, brothers and sisters. Do not fear. Come what may, we need to rise up. We need to stand for righteousness, for what is true. But I also want to note that our hope is not what government can provide but what Jesus Christ has provided 
and offers to all. Forgiveness of our sins, hope of glory, as he pours out his grace upon us, the Father through the Son. He died on the cross for our sins. You see, we serve a just God. He did not just ignore sin. He did not just ignore death. He dealt with it head on. He dealt with it for you and I. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay for the sins of all. And for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, we know that salvation is sure. It is promised. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Above all, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I implore you, consider who he is. Consider his grace and mercy that is offered. It is the gift of salvation. Come to salvation in him and know the hope of heaven. And then walk in righteousness, walk in the truth. So church, let us be the church. Let us not slumber. Let us wake up. Wake up. Wake up. The day is drawing to a close. Let us act while we can. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to overflowing that we would know your truth and walk in it. That the only thing that we're bound by and bound to is to honor and glorify you. I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would, Lord, draw people unto yourself by your kindness and your grace. That if anyone is here who does not know you as Lord and Savior, has not known forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation. I also pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us as your people. Father, that you would crown us with wisdom, give us discernment. Lord, help us, Lord, to Lord, boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that we may see others come to faith. And Lord, that your kingdom, Lord, would, would have even more souls that are destined for it. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray.